0: Okay. Is, that is that a problem? Is <laughs> <laughs> that a problem? It's too late now, yeah. isn't it? It's I can't really now. change my voice. Sorry, you need to go back yeah. and get born
1: again. <laughs> 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 this is Layers, a conversation about building brands with more depth. Being discovered as a brand online is more prevalent now than in any other time in history, which puts the... Humble brand site in sharp focus as a critical tool of influence. MC, we're talking about the intersection of brand and website today. Cool. There's a lot to unpack here. It might even be two episodes.
0: Sure. We'll
1: see how we go. Let's see how we go. So let's start out with what a website should do. (laughs) Sure. I mean,
0: a website, I guess, is something that seems very obvious. At first, everyone knows what a website is, um, but I think certainly in the context of our chats uh, around branding and, and those sorts of things, uh, it's actually, to I see it really as the culmination of all the stuff that we've been talking about so far, you know, so it's a place where you're going to get all the visual elements of the brand come together, you're going to get all the messaging of the, the brand come together it's a place to differentiate. You know, it's a place to tell your story, get that messaging across. It's a place to serve your customers' needs. You know, we talk a lot about that customer focus. Um, so, certainly, it's it's a place to get all of those jobs done. Uh, and it's definitely the first impression, you know, that a lot of people are going to have with your brand. So, there's certainly a massive intersection, as you say, between
1: brand and web yeah that's such a big one i reckon the first interaction because i I guess if you went back 15 or 20 years ago that wouldn't have been the case Mm. and even as recent as maybe five years ago that may not even been the first interaction point yeah but now it is like from everything from getting your car serviced right the way through to doing your groceries online like pretty much every aspect of our life has now been mapped in a digital way yeah so, that, that first interaction point is, is such a critical one.
0: Yeah. I mean, you think about it either in terms of the, the Google effect. So, you know, when you're looking for somewhere to get your car service, you go through that singular portal and then you spread out to a bunch of results. That is the first time, you know, you're likely to, to hear of that brand or business, you know, as a result of that as opposed to, you know, a bunch of other ways that you would have discovered, you know, recommendations before, whether it be word of mouth or whatever. And then even even as a sort of quasi first slash second impression, you know, you meet someone at a networking event and they tell you about their brand, you know, you might
1: get a tiny bit, but the first thing that you're going to go away and do is look them up on the web. Yeah, I mean, that's such a big one. We all do it, right? Yeah. We all go and step away and do the Google stalk and, and try and figure <laughs> out who's who in the zoo and, and you know, figure what, what their brand's all about. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think also too, I mean, just to add to that, it's like the being able to tell those rich stories like yeah. be it through imagery or be it through copy um you know those those top to bottom page flows th- that richness in the story that's that's a huge advantage mm-hmm. of of a website as well too as you you have that opportunity to do that whereas i guess back in the day you might have had a bus shelter or a billboard and there's only one layer to that yeah. whereas whereas the website gives you the opportunity to kind of go layers deep yeah um, yeah, I mean, the other one for me too is like just automating those business processes. I think that's that's another big factor of, um, of of what a modern website should should do as well. And it gives you the ability to serve more people at scale. So, I think that's a, another another big advantage. Yeah, I mean, that sort of brings up the question of
0: exactly what is a website. Yeah. You know, it can be a lot of different things these days. Okay. I mean, did you have any thoughts on what other things a website can do beyond... You know what we usually think of as a brand website.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, the the website, if if you look at it, kind of really at, like at a one hundred and one level, it is about telling the brand story. But then beyond that, there's obviously some other tactical elements, mm. and and I think this is where we're starting to kind of think about things as brands. We're thinking about what are, what are the other aspects a website can do. So, you know, can it can it handle a booking and remove? remove a, a job um, or can it just free up, you know, your your some team members' time so that they've got the ability to do other things that are possibly more important? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, i look at it almost as in can you get the job done there
0: and then, you know, yeah. it used to be the whole thing of, well, here's some information and a contact form, you know, and you can't do anything else beyond take the next step of getting in touch yeah. to then try and get your job done later but... You know, whether it's customer support or registering for an event or, as you say, booking a meeting or even, you know, with chatbots or something, putting in some information, actually getting your answer there. And then, you know, there's a lot more scope, I guess, to get the job done.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you take that right to the the far edges, it's like, for instance, recently I was applying for some personal insurance online and I did the whole thing mm-hmm. online assisted through, through a process that would just been kind of mapped out. Yeah. Like I would have done with a human, but they just Im- implanted that whole experience into the into a digital experience, and yeah. so there was no need for any human interaction in that whole process. So, yeah, yeah. is that good or bad? It's, it's uh, well, that's a topic for <laughs> yeah, another podcast. So that's a topic <laughs> for another day. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing is we um i don't think it really matters at what scale you're at at the moment like you could be a really you could be a one-man operator or you could be you know a big asx listed company um and it, i think the opportunities all the way along that that spectrum at the moment for- yeah certainly the tech is enabling it to
0: be to be a lot more accessible to everybody like you say you know with the out-of-the-box chatbots and things like that that well you know meeting plugins and that
1: sort of thing it's all it's all a lot easier these days yeah so why don't we talk about that why don't we dig into like what what actually what are the elements that go into a a brand website yeah i mean
0: there's the process side of it i guess Mm -hmm. you know for us you know i guess a key factor of that is having a certain amount of work done and locked away before you get to this point Mm -hmm. You know, if we think about that idea of this being a culmination of brand, you know, combining those visuals and, and messages and that sort of thing, having all that really clear before you start, I think is key. You know, it's, it's easy to kind of rush into a website, you know, thinking that you've got everything sorted or even try and, I guess, now you're messaging by writing the copy for the site or, you know, you might have a logo but then you try and, I guess, establish the brand identity through the design of the website and You know, we've just seen that that just doesn't work. You know, you've got to have that foundation brand somewhat in place. Yep. We definitely see that evolves a bit, you know. So, you might write some messaging in the abstract and then find when you get into a particular page, you need to tweak it or add more to that messaging to make it clear for that purpose.
1: But. Yeah, so, that foundational layer that we've been talking about. So, if this is the first podcast that you've listened to so far in this series, it's you need to go back and listen to podcast one, two, three, four, and five <laughs> yeah. to get the, the foundational layer. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, because they're the ingredients, I guess, in this cake or at least the, the, the baseline ingredients. Yep. So, yeah, I guess we look at all that stuff first. And then I guess the main thing really then is looking at what are the goals, you know, and what we find all the time is that that comes down to a bit of a balancing act. So we're always trying to balance up the user goals with the business goals. So, you know, for any given website, there's the stuff that the user wants to get done on that site. You know, whether it's as simple as finding the office address or, you know, looking at the staff list to know who to talk to. So that's what the user wants to do. And then you've got the business goals. So what are they actually hoping to get out of that interaction? You know, whether it's book a meeting or make a sale, that sort of thing. So there's obviously a bunch of overlap between those two. And so it's finding the balance and making sure that you can, you can tick both sets of goals. And then the other things that we look at, um, and again, this is a bit of a balance is between messaging and conversion. So on the, the messaging side, it's like, what do we want to say? What do we want to communicate through the website and particular pages and sections? And so what's, we're trying to say, what's the, the story that we're pushing. And then on the other side, you know what's the conversion that we want out of it you know again that's probably aligned very much to the business goals but we're looking i guess at a balance there between giving information but also triggering action
1: yeah i mean i kind of like to look at it through through two lenses it's like one one is the brand lens which is what you were talking about before so you've got to do all that foundational work to build up the story before you even think about building a website and and i guess if you go back in the day like a lot of brand websites were like brochure websites that's, that's i guess another way of describing it. it's like where it's it just telling the brand story what has really opened up over the last five or six years is that the tactical mm. element of all of this so i kind of see it through two lenses one is brand one is tactical yeah. and you bring those together and i think that's what's probably leading towards this supercharged type of brand website yeah and i think
0: that's probably talks a lot to that balance that we try and look for too. you know we certainly see it a lot that you get websites today that still exist very much in one of those camps or the other you know so the beautiful brand experience website that's all about you know amazing design great messaging you know animations maybe some crazy interaction but doesn't do a lot on the tactical side you know or conversion side and then you've got the other end where it's all landing page driven and very templated and not yeah. much about the story and there's pop ups coming in everywhere. Right. Strips out the brand experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or just, just diminishes it, you know, yeah. quite a lot. Compromises it, you know, completely. Well not completely, but heavily, I guess, at the expense of,
1: of the, the other tactical stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I mean and, and just just talking about like some of the nuances in terms of of how a website gets built, because I reckon a few listeners would have heard like terms like wireframe, for example. Like, should we dig into wireframe and what <laughs> what that actually means and why they're important in the process? Yeah,
0: I mean, even if we just skirt over the the ten thousand feet view, I guess of how, how the websites get made, and that wireframe is definitely one of those parts. So yeah, I guess we we go from establishing those goals to doing a quick sitemap, which is basically what are the pages of the site. How's that going to be organized? And that's often, I think, a key sort of user experience point that gets a bit overlooked is the way that you organize the sitemap will have a huge influence over how easily people can get around, you know, whether they can find what they're looking for, that sort of thing. And with most things, we I guess are very much on the simpler side of things. And then once we've got that site map established, we then do a wireframe for every page, basically. And all that is really is it's it's the bridge between say having all your content written in a Word doc, yep, and getting to that first page design. So we lay up all the elements that we think will go into this to a page on the site. Um, for example, a home page, and look at what are the content blocks going to be, what sort of content will go into each block. You might start to see some initial photography or copywriting go into those wireframes, but they're very low-fi intentionally. It's almost really just a way to start visualizing how that content's going to come together because it's very difficult to get that sort of picture from something like a Google Doc.
1: Yeah, and there's an interesting point here about wireframes too. In in process is. You, when we go right back to the strategy piece, when we're sitting down for the first time with a customer, and you're getting all those insights about the business, those insights are driving story points in in yeah. the in the wireframe. Yeah, exactly. So, whenever we're looking then at a wireframe, we're
0: laying that up against those messaging and conversion goals that we've established earlier on, and sort of saying, okay, well, these are the things that we set out for this page to say. Mm-hmm. That's your messaging goals. So. Yeah we want it to convey that the culture of the company is is fun and engaging yep. so then um, you know you'll look then at the, the content that you're laying down for that page and see if it's actually communicating that message so mm-hmm. that's a tick Yep. Uh, and then you might have a conversion goal on that same page of you know you want people to submit their resumes to apply for a job if we're talking about an about page for example so again it gives you that checklist But that's what makes, I guess, a wireframe that great interim step because you're not spending hours then making design pixel perfect, um, which can, you know, take up a lot of time. You're actually making sure that you've got the right building blocks in place first and then, you know, in a very quick and sort of lo-fi way that can be easily changed and moved around. Before you move on.
1: Yeah, and this is actually something that a business can actually have a stab at themselves, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, internally, it's like starting to think about what are your story points. Now, you might want to gut check that with whoever you're working with on a project, but... You, you can actually start this internally yourself and and start thinking about what what are the things that you want to get across on, on each of the sections of your website and then also what level of functionality is required for, for each page. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the other layer to
0: wireframes. You can start to, to really confirm those functional requirements. Mm. Where is there going to be interactivity? You know, if I click this button, where is it going to take me? Those sorts of things, which again are very hard to do in a sort of word processor type format and then also not really ready for design i guess and if you haven't kind of locked those things away
1: yeah so that takes care of wireframes but the step after wireframes is really important too which is where you start looking at the design layer Mm -hmm. Um, and design is such a critical part of of a website and in telling the, the the story and just generally speaking in design we've come a long way when it comes to website design um just as far as an industry where we've sort of Stepped away from a million links and density mm-hmm. in the design to to clean and yeah. and and using great photography styles and layouts, but how critical is design in in the process? I mean, for a design agency, yeah. <laughs> we're always going to say it's critical. So I guess it's it's
0: then establishing why. I mean, I think in the same vein as the conversations we had last week about identity, yeah, the the most baseline factor, I guess, is is just purely that trust and confidence that you get immediately when you come across a well-designed site. Yeah. You know, if there's, I guess if you look at it at the other extreme, you know, if there's sloppy layouts or broken links or missing pictures or stuff like that, I mean, that is the number one way to kill any credibility or interest straight away.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, So, that's at one end. And and then at the other end, like good design, I guess, would definitely be engaging as well and, and I guess keep your attention. You know, there's that oft quoted stat about however many seconds it is that you have, you know, to keep user attention on the web before they're clicking off to go somewhere else, you know, so whatever that number is, it's definitely established, I guess, that you want to make, make that first impression where that might be on the site engaging enough to keep people interested
1: yeah for sure i think the other interesting thing about the design phase is because it's still largely static we haven't jumped into any mm-hmm. code yet it's a great opportunity to prototype and actually share that with potential users or do some user research in and around around the the static design yeah for sure before you step into it. beneficially what are the, what's the upside of of doing that
0: well i mean it's an interesting point that you raise there in terms of Clarifying, I guess that the design isn't just how it looks, you know, and whether that's engaging. But um, certainly, there's an, a key layer of design there around how things will work, how they're connected, again, how you'll get from from point A to point B, and yeah, certainly be able to putting that into one of the modern prototyping tools, which is really quite easy these days, and then send that off to you know a few users to to click around, you know, you'll pick up. Uh, I guess, any glaring, you know, confu- points of confusion because I think that's one of the the um, most important parts of a website is it's great to tell that brand story, but am I giving the user clarity? Like, have yeah. they actually got the information that they wanted? Have they arrived at this business? Probably not knowing a lot, but now it's really clear what that business does. Um, and as much as, you know, we might sit there and pour hours and hours into a site and think about it, as this entire user journey where they're gonna to go to every page, I mean most of the time the user goal is probably actually more to get in and get out. Yeah. You know, they've got something better to do something with their day than, <laughs> than browse and read every single bit of copy on the site. So yeah, I guess part of that user testing is is to understand with the way that we've done that content architecture so far, is it logical, is it easy to, to navigate around? what's missing as well, you know, often you'll find that it'll be like, oh, okay, well, I wanted to know this, but it wasn't even in the site. Um, those sorts of things.
1: Yeah. So, once design's locked down, the next step is to, to shift into development. This is where we're, we're like hand coding, custom building <laughs> a website. But, yeah. but typically for us, the next step is to shift into development. And we're only sort of touching these things at the thousand foot view. Yeah. But development is another critical piece in all of this as well yeah. for a number of reasons. And you've got front-end development, which is, I guess, what the user interacts with and so they're like different hover states and animations and and other aspects of the website. And then you've got back-end, which kind of deals more with like plugging in APIs where two pieces of software can talk together, which enables some of these performance or tactical elements yeah. of, of the website. But development is a, is a pretty critical piece mm. um, and... It, it, what would you say what would you say the key benefit there is yeah I mean I sort of almost look at it as the
0: the engine that runs the car yeah and partly what I mean by that as well is like it is one of those things that Unfortunately, most people don't know how it works or you can't see it, you know, like in the same way you don't, you know, you can't see the inner workings of your car engine. Most people, if you pull up the hood, just yeah. you see this big blank box and you don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's a
1: good analogy. You
0: know, so it's, it's definitely tricky, you know, for an outsider to, to be look at it and go, well, that's great code, but it is so essential and crucial to performance. And that can mean a lot of different things, whether that's your SEO rankings, whether that's page speed, and that has implications, obviously, both for your Google rankings, but also for user experience. I mean, if someone's sitting there and it's taking forever for your site to load, that's one of those things where they will probably close that tab and move on pretty quick. Yep. Certainly, maintainability over time. I mean, it's one of the thing, the nature of web, that it never stands still, and Things will always just evolve. You'll find bugs, you know, just inherently, you know, technology evolves. So having, you know, well maintained and clean code to start with will make the site easier to maintain over time. Yeah, there's yeah, a that's few benefits.
1: Wonderful. Cool. And then, and then I guess in the same breath, talking about, uh, development. There is content management, so quite often it's that the customer wants to to manage the the content yep. management system on their side versus, say, you know, have somebody always having to update it for them. Yeah, uh, it just really depends on requirements. But the content management systems are a bit of a minefield as well, right? Like, yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly no shortage of
0: choice out there. Yeah, um, and I guess what we find is that people are often either at one end of the scale, they have no idea. They've never used one before. So, I guess they, they're sort of a bit green in that respect. So, they don't even necessarily know what they want out of one. And then, I guess you see the other end where it's like usually WordPress. But there's a couple of others ones that, that maybe have some religious type following. But it's basically where it's like, I've used this before. or I've been told that this is the best. I have to use this one. So, they either seem to have very little idea or... The, almost predetermined choice yeah um so really i guess i mean if you're interacting with someone like us it's probably a case of figuring out well what do you actually need it to do first and then recommending the right tool yeah whereas yeah i don't think coming i guess with a predefined solution when you may be not even necessarily sure why like why is that the answer is the right way to go yeah um at yeah. a simple level like Mostly, to me, it's about how easily does that sort of content editing experience match up with what you're seeing on the front end, you know, because that's the the usual um, thing that most people want to do is make a few changes and just see the end result. So, keeping that as simple as possible is usually the best.
1: Yeah, I guess the, the takeaway, the moral of this story sounds like, if somebody says WordPress, don't necessarily take it verbatim that that's what you've got to do. I mean, yeah. WordPress is a great platform, but but there are there are other ones out there, exactly. and, and it's just finding the right tool that, that sort of fits the purpose. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right, so let's dig into a bit of tactical um, as well too, because um, the tactical elements are such a critical part of of a brand website. Yeah. So we'll just riff on some some things that. Um, others are doing in the in the tactical space and and how they kind of apply the first one that comes to mind for me is like is the lead capture mm-hmm. side of things which a lot of people would um have already used or understand or may even have that already built into their website yeah. um, but but lead capture is is a is a fairly critical one um nowadays because it once we have that email address or that name then it starts the top of the funnel exercise and that in itself is a whole other podcast, but. Yeah. Um, but capturing capturing somebody's you know details so that you can continue to have a conversation with them is a critical component. So lead capture for me is is, is definitely still a big one. Yeah. Um, you mentioned bots before. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what sort of bots? And what what are they for? And what what do they do?
0: Yeah, I mean the the most obvious one, I guess, is a, is the chat bot. Yep. Yeah. You know, so you see on. Um, a lot of website these days, usually a floating bubble in the bottom right corner. Uh, there's one on the Ply site now if you want yeah. to go check it out. <laughs> um, but basically, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's a, a fancy contact form, but it can be, I guess, uh, just a way to enhance that interaction and, and maybe get a few more answers. So there's a couple of, I guess, options there. One is that it is a real person on the other end, so it might be an actual just a live chat feature as opposed to a bot. So, if someone in your customer service team is there manning that chat line all the time, it's I guess it's much like an old helpline 1300 number that you might have used to have, but yep. people can type in their questions and, and people can respond. So, it's a good way to, I guess, deliver customer service right there in the moment when they're maybe looking at your product page and they've got a question, mm-hmm. they can answer it um, there. The other option is an automated chatbot and you'll often see that it's actually can be a combination of these things so it might be a live person during office hours and then it reverts to an automated chatbot outside of office hours and mostly what you're looking at there is I guess usually like a set of predefined questions that it knows how to answer so it will try and I guess get the user to ask you know what they're after in a certain way and then serve up the answer automatically if it has it and basically I guess if you get to a a bit of a dead end in that automated chatter would then say, okay, I don't have the answer for you, but leave us a message or contact us and we'll get back to you. We're even seeing now like hyper-specialized chatbots, you know, so there might be industry-specific or use case-specific, you know, whether there's a specific chatbot for just booking a meeting, for example, making those things easier.
1: The other one that comes to mind for me is the event plugin. So there's, mm. there's companies like Eventbrite, for example, there's, there's a few others. That, that have a really good API and also like a nice little code snippet that plugs into your, yeah. your website which, which allow you to sort of serve up events because that's becoming, you know, part of a lot of business models, especially in professional services as yeah. well too. I mean, the other interesting one for me too is like looking at um, say some of the the other examples like law and we have a particular client who who is actually doing kind of almost like an an e-commerce part of their their website as well too, which is an interesting way to think about tactical elements, like Mm -hmm. how do you serve up some of your services that are um, sort of almost pre-packaged up and and ready to be sold. Yeah, sure. Any other ones that come to mind in terms of tactical? Um, I guess another one is,
0: you know, we see a bit uh, where the user might be able to access some information that's relevant to them Mm -hmm. or bespoke to them. And usually I guess the think about that probably is like a client area of a website. So we have an and client who serves up, um, I guess, some of their latest information for the client that they need to know the status of a, of a um, file uh, basically through the website. So there's a sp- special area in the site where you can log in uh, if you're a registered client and, and access a bunch of information and forms and that sort of thing. So certainly seeing more of that. Again, it's about getting that job done there and then in a common place. Yeah. And I guess the other one probably that comes to mind would be just general help and support, you know, the more e-commerce sites or product sites that you see out there, you know, they have a more and more fully developed knowledge base or help center where it moves beyond the FAQs and just has a lot of I guess, ways to, to deliver your own support,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which I'm sure is delivering benefit to the user because they can get the job sorted right there, but to the business as well because they need less support stuff.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Let's talk about website as in the term website mm-hmm. because it is it is a bit shape-shifting in the sense of a website is a catch-all for everything mm-hmm. that is on the internet <laughs> now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a website is a website is a website. Yeah. Like there's there's not... There's not just one type, yeah. but oftentimes we just think that there is only one type and mm. it's like the brand website. But the, the way that we see it is that there's there's a number of different layers to it. Mm. Um, the first one that comes to mind for me is like kind of at that really entry level of, of website, which is like a theme or a template, which yeah. you can kind of pre-buy off the shelf, mm. which is already kind of set out and um, and then you just got to go and input, like, all of your content into the website. Like, that's yeah. it's really the, pretty much the, the cheapest way to get started with, with websites, right? Yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, you're looking at even a couple of options mm-hmm. there. So, you have something like a Squarespace where it's yeah. an all-in-one platform for that sort of thing. So, you literally just create an account, choose a template, and you basically have a website. The one that probably a lot more businesses mm-hmm. have engaged with, whether they know it or not, is the WordPress theme kind of template route. So... You still got to set up, you know, your own hosting, and know, I guess, someone who knows their way around a bit of code, or at least implementation of some of that stuff, to essentially get WordPress, get a theme, plug them together, and then it's ready to, to, to drop your content in. Yep. Um, but yeah, certainly that's the, I guess, the lead lead way to do it or the, the lost to entry way to do it
1: yeah and then just to quickly riff through some of these, we've got then you can customize a template which is kind of like the next level then you've got the hand-built custom built website which is like that premium brand experience mm-hmm. and you've got things like e-commerce platforms like shopify uh, and then you've also got web apps which are for more significant product builds yeah. so again you could probably spend a lot of time digging into all of that but it's really just to say there is there's, there's a lot, right? Like, there's a lot to choose from. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think, as always, it's just coming back around to, to what's right for you and what you're trying to achieve at the time. Yeah. You know, we can talk a bit about what goes wrong in websites. And number one on my list of that, you know, is probably a bit of a riff on themes and templates. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, let's dig into that. Well, I, it's why I bring it up now because it's not necessarily a wrong way to do it either. It's, it's really just about what's right for you at the time and stage that you're at, perhaps. You know, I think that there's probably a lot of great sites out there that are built on Squarespace that you wouldn't even know, you know, if it's done right. I think the danger and where it goes wrong with those sorts of things is it seems so easy, but it's all the things that you don't know that are kind of going wrong behind the scenes, you know, or that you don't know to look out for. Say, if you're choosing a theme of ThemeForest for WordPress, for example, we've seen it a lot where... There's a lot of code baggage that comes along with, you know, a pre-built theme because they're trying to build for every possible scenario, every possible page and combo. There's all this bloated code that you're not going to end up needing when you've only got three pages at the end on your website. You've got sort of code for 50 when you're only (laughs) launching with three. Um, And they rely heavily on uh, a lot of plugins and, and other things that, again, are harder to maintain over time. It might work great straight out of the box, but when we think about those, you know, bugs creeping in and keeping it maintained over time, they also then it's one of those things where it's like you're fine if you want to use it exactly as it comes out of the box, but as soon as you actually want to start getting into that sort of mid tier that you talked about, where it's like I've started with a theme but I want to customize it, that sounds like it'd be quicker, but it almost always ends up being more work than if you had it just started from scratch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: so the theme, the theme template area is. Again, it's not it's not necessarily wrong, but it's definitely something I guess that uh, you just got to be careful about and and know what you're getting into and and it's usually just
1: right for a time and place. You know, yeah. Before you move on. Yeah, absolutely. The other one that comes to mind for me is messaging. Yeah, um, I think on my list too. Yeah, I definitely think that's a, a an area where things can start to kind of go awry. Yeah. And and messaging is a, is a critical one. So. The way that I look at that is like, what are the what are the stories that what are the story points we're trying to get across? Yeah. And if it doesn't convey those story points well, then you've kind of lost them in the journey. Yeah, for sure. I think like clarity is a huge thing that goes along with that. Like I almost look at it
0: as clarity first, and then story second, a little bit. And the main reason for that for me is. I've just visited too many homepages or websites where you scroll and scroll and you get to the bottom and you still don't even know what's the business. What's <laughs> it about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, you know, what are they selling? What am I here for? Like, yeah. what do they actually do? I saw one that was quite comical the other day. Even when you click through, I couldn't find the information on their homepage and then they had a what we do section. And within the first two blocks of that page, I still had no idea what <laughs> they did. I just immediately checked out after that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anything else that it could... Yeah, I think the other one, we sort of touched on it before, but I think certainly being too conversion-focused is is where things can go a bit awry. If you've got a, as I said, like a pop-up on every page and things sliding in all the time and endless free offers, it can just, I guess, all get a bit uh, intense for the user. You know, I think the thing with offers and conversions and that sort of thing is, well, twofold, is, is really just, again, thinking about what content would actually be truly useful for that user, you know, so don't just write an ebook because you think you need an ebook and then plaster it all over your site, like actually think about content that would be helpful for your customers. Or, you know, it doesn't even have to be content, it can be tools or anything that they might want access to, you know, and then the second thing I guess then is just again that same level of clarity, like not having too many offers, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: It's probably almost too easy to sit there and brainstorm five or six different ways that you could hook people in with the free consultation this and a free ebook that and a register for this webinar and
1: yeah, but again then, it becomes a bit overwhelming doesn't
0: yeah, it yeah it's the same as we see with messaging if you're trying to say too many things you'll end up just being all noise so i think it's the same with with your offers and that sort of conversion focus is pick one or two that are really strong and that people really really want instead
1: of just shotgun approach of having 10 you know that are yeah. probably just mediocre good call i like it all right let's round this out with some examples the one that comes to mind for me of, of a uh, that something that represents a great example of a website is uh a site which is called bears ears so this is actually like a micro yeah Bear's Ears. yeah this is a uh, um a uh, micro site by patagonia and i know i keep thinking about <laughs> patagonia but i do love them
0: you're on the take from them oh
1: uh, uh, yeah yeah, it's a, it's a microsite. But if you go to bearsears.patagonia.com, um, you will see that it's just this, it uses a rich video a story right from the, the homepage. And there's really, there's just a headline, this is Bears Ears, and it's an essentially a play button. But it shows all this beautiful imagery. So, it just really sucks in. It takes away all that density that you usually find in websites, and it's just very clean and simple. And then as you get into the experience, it's really interesting because it's a, it's a side scroll rather than a horizontal mm. top to bottom. So, it just feels very different. Again, they use this really clean kind of layout um, and just, just tells a lovely brand story. Um, and also, it tells a great brand story because it gets out of the way of the the story, which is actually to protect this bear's ears. Mm. It's kind of hard to say bear's bear yeah. ears. <laughs> it, um, it, so, it, it, it um, takes the, the brand away a little bit and, and allows you to focus in on the... On, on the story that they're trying to tell and they do such a great job of it. So, yeah, if you want to check that one out. Yeah, I mean, I've had a look at it too. It's it's definitely in that zone
0: where web can provide just such an immersive and bespoke experience. You know, obviously it takes a fair bit of investment to pull off something like that, but certainly like you talked about at the top, you know, for you to compare that to any other interaction or way that that brand would try and communicate that story having this this very immersive experience with video and text and different ways to interact makes it so interesting and you wouldn't really be afforded that anywhere but the web
1: yeah exactly and so it's, it just allows users to go to the level of depth that they feel comfortable with some of us are skimmers some of us are really detailed yeah and sure. and i think that's where this this website particularly for me stands out is that you can get really immersive in the story mm-hmm. so okay. what do you got yeah, my
0: one was for this week was uh, Up Bank, which is one of the many, many new mobile-based banks that are appearing out of nowhere all of a sudden. And I guess the part of the reason why I picked it was I feel it does a quite a good job of marrying that brand story with a very practical story. So they actually have you know just some really nice, clear copy, you know, within the first few seconds on the side, I think it's pretty obvious what it's all about. And it is a new concept. You know, a lot of people wouldn't know what a mobile bank is. But they have, I think, a good uh, marriage of enough content and enough story. Um, But also, they get quickly into the features and they use some really nice um, devices, I think, in terms of um, communicating those features. So, there's a bit of interaction and animation sort of showing you, I guess, what you might typically see, say, in a bank feed of transactions and then it quickly morphs into what that looks like within their environment but at the same time I guess there's this heavy brand layer of design and, and personality that's coming through so they're doing I think quite a good job of, of marrying the two together
1: nice good stuff well I think that's a good place to end alright that's what it's done <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> easy right. thanks MC
0: thanks man